Blog Talk Radio. back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the record fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, and one final game that would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world gridiron breaks. Welcome to gridiron breaks, a history and its memorabilia on the gridiron breaks publishing and broadcasting network. We're live from the Southport, North Carolina home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia. You can find us on the web at Gridiron Greats Magazine. Yeah. It's at this time. I'd like to introduce my co-host. The senior contributing writer to Good Iron Greats Magazine of Football, <laughs> memorable historian, specializing in free World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larkin. He hails from Portland, Ah, so good to be back, Captain. Very good to be back. Did you have a good vacation? Love it. I did, yeah. I listened to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff Payne, for stepping in. Amazing job on the show. It's funny. I don't usually listen to the shows that we do, but I I got back and listened to your guys' show. It was great. Great dynamic. I have to thank Jack, Jeff publicly also because, uh, again, it's tough to fill in your shoes, number one, but also tough <laughs> to just pick up on something right away and, and, and uh, you know, talk about it in a very short period of time. And Jeff yeah. is uh, being a football historian and uh, a collector yeah. of uh, the highest level. Uh, I appreciate his help immensely. All yeah, right, I'm let's the, get on I, with our sh- Yeah. Go ahead. We're going to get on with our show, and we're going to hand and we're going to talk first about the 1935 National Chickle Set before our guest comes on. And the 35 National Chickle Set, and I've talked about this before in the past. It's a set I started and stopped and sold off three different times on three different occasions. Last time selling it yep. off was in 2016, and I started that set way back in the 80s. 
I, I sold it in uh, the early 90s, number, time number one. Time number two, roughly around 2002, 2003, I sold off everything else I had. The second run, about a year later, I started collecting it again, and then I sold it off in 2016 for the final time. I do not own 135 Trickle. One day I'll pick up again another type card just to have it. For many collectors and football collecting and football memorabilia and football card collecting, they feel the 35 Trickle is the first mainstream set that has actually professional players in it as compared to the Spalding, compared to the Pottstown set, compared to the 1894 Mayo set. And I'm going to lead off and hand off to you, Joe. Close in on a few more areas on this set. Yeah, and as you mentioned, to most football collectors, the 35 Chickle is the first football set. Um, you know, you and I were laughing before the show. We would be burned in effigy on VFC if we left it with that because, as we know, we've had many guests on the show talking about the uh, 1926 Pottsville Maroon set, which is the first set devoted to professional football players. Postcards, very thinly traded. A lot of people, you know, who consider themselves, you know, you know football collectors probably aren't aware of this set. So... Uh, you know, the 1894 set, as you mentioned, is college players. So 35 Chickle is the first mainstream NFL set collected. Let's leave it at that. Uh, and, and a lot of us, wink, wink, nod, nod, know a little bit better. Uh, but I've mentioned a few times on the show my, uh, my white whale would be a 35 Chickle uncut sheet. Um, you know, it, it, it would be... It would just be, that's, that's the white whale. That's, uh, you know, honey, I got to sell, you know, I got to, I, I got to pull a second mortgage on the house kind of thing. Uh, 36 cards, mm-hmm. obviously in the set. What I love about the, the set is, uh, on the, on the flip side of every set, it talks about one of 240 cards in a set. Uh, the, the mystery that surrounds, you know, did they intend to do 240? Were those chase? Uh, was was that a chase so that people kept buying more packs, hoping for the next series that came out? Were they issued in series? Were they on you know two 18 card sheets? Uh, were one through 18 double print and the 19 through 36 or excuse, uh, single print? Uh, you know, so many mysteries. Uh, and coming across an uncut sheet would solve a lot of that. If if it's on a you know if it's a nine by four sheet. Then you know, with 36 cards, we know there are no double prints. Uh, and the only thing I have to correlate it to right. is the 1933 Sports King, which was printed in one sheet. Uh, different companies, but if you, I, I mentioned on a previous show the the Chickle Skybird set. You know, uh, there was an uncut sheet for sale about two years ago, and how they laid the sheet out uh, was all single, all single print. Um, uh, the you know the Skybird uh, you know has a few more cards in the set uh, I believe I think it's thirty I think it's forty uh, but I don't know it, it, you know the, how it was printed how you know how the sheets were laid out single print double print uh, all that is you know wrapped in a mystery um, two hundred and forty cards were they planned on planning on more I think most collectors that I talked to think no that it was always meant to be thirty six cards. 
and that was, you know, you know, who knows? Maybe if the set would have, you know, you know, flown off the shelves, maybe they would have, maybe they would have made more. But you know, you know, who knows? Right. But but right. interesting. And that, you know, thirty-five isn't that long we, ago, you know. I know, I know we've talked about we talked about that, that short print and the sheet configuration several times yeah. in the past. And again that you know, it's it's open and up to interpretation as far as, you know, what actually and how they actually printed it, so on and so forth. I did mention in uh one time we had talked about it, my theory always was I really thought they were gonna come out with more cards and then for whatever reason mm. Uh, the Depression, World War II coming on, so on and so forth. They just stopped printing the cards, and that was it. They ended it, you know. So uh, we really, we really don't know. And until we discover, until actually you discover the uncut sheet and you see the layout, <laughs> then that will make a lot more sense one way or the other to uh, the the reason why those are short printed. Now I'm going to point out too, and something I've talked about this in the past too. When I started collecting that stuff back in the 1980s, I really never, I never saw any cards number 24 to 36 ever at a show anywhere it went. And, and the handful of cards I saw all the time, for whatever reason, was uh, the Ken Strong card. And yeah. uh, believe number it or not, card number, four, card number 14. So those two cards seem to be very prevalent when I was looking for them, and, and I picked them up, and the first chickle I ever bought back in probably 1983-84 was the Kenny Strong card. And uh, over the years, that was the, the, the most, and to me, the, the, the most simple card, simplest card to pick up in the set as compared to all the other sets. And I didn't see the high numbers until the late 90s in actuality. I mean, I, at a show, I never saw a high number until, wow. until the late 90s. So I saw them, and I, I obviously saw them in uh, SCD and mail order catalogs, so on and so forth. But actually seeing yeah. them up close physically was in the late 90s. So it, it was always interesting to me. And again, the third time I collected the set was, was the time I had the most uh, high numbers at that time, which drove the value you, that I, you what knew I had when I sold and you knew the set was numbered to 36. You just only saw one through 24. Right, right. You know, you know. Right. Okay. I mean, I got I, interesting. I, I look. I, I if if I had it with me, I, I wish I could pull it out. It was my old Beckett number five uh, big guide, which was the basketball, hockey, <laughs> football guide, and see how marked up my 35 chickle checklist was there. Yeah. Uh, with little yeah. notes and connotations that I made and prices that I saw, so on and so forth. And it was never a high priority for me because I was always working on the main run 48 up, you know what I mean? But I said once I finished the run, and I never did, was I was going to finish the 35 trickle and then go into the 1894 Mayos and fill those up too, finish those up. Zero doubt about it. Uh, One through 24, you get a lot more common than 25 to 36. Um, right, right. I mean, you know, a, a lot more. I mean, the Bull Tosi is the rarest card. I think there's like, I mean, you know, the, the Nagurski card number 34 is rare. There are six PSA 8s, one PSA 8.5 that sold about two years ago, and then a uh, one PSA 9, obviously, that's owned by PP Properties. Um, and mm-hmm. then uh, eight PSA, there's six PSA 8s. 
There are four PSA 8 bull toasties, and one of them is, you know, one of them came up for sale about three years ago, and it was so obviously trimmed, it, it was, it, it was, it made me vomit in my mouth. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, was it a larger sheet? Uh, you know, was it 60 cards? One through 24 was a double print, and the other 12 were single prints. I mean, they made the sheet smaller way back then, you know, but... 35 chickles than I did 48 and 49 leaves back in the 80s and early 90s before they got they got you know things started getting uh, touched up and everything. But I saw I did see a fair share of X 35 chickles, and the first time I put the set together, I, I my my grade was basically GVG and that was it because I you know I was just happy to find it type of thing. But uh, as the years went on, I did see. And I've always said this, I saw more or better condition 35 chickle low numbers than I did with the 48 and 49 leaps when I first started collecting. So um, yeah. that's, a, that's another interesting view to look at with the set. And again, giving your, you know, your pop numbers, I can't really see a lot of perfect 35 chickles out there anywhere. Well, you know what I mean? And, so, and uh, for a wide the, the 48 leaf set very wide swings on the dimensions, as we've mentioned before. I mean, you know, I, I mean, 10 percent overage at some points, 50 millimeters all the way up to 55 millimeters. Um, you know, and the, the thought is uh, they didn't think 48 leaf would take off, so they had printer apprentices working on it, which is where you get the color variations, which is where you get the wild, you know, size swings. So the I've talked to a couple, you know, professional, you know, uh, you know, printers, and they're like, yeah, they likely had an apprentice working on this because a, a professional printer wouldn't do this. Uh, and one of the ways I built what, you know, I, I kind of built what the 48-leaf uncut sheet would look like was by gross miscut cards, by being able to see adjacent cards, um, and, you know, and, and piece it together. And then by the time I pieced it together, you know, I re- you know, realized you know, other people had, you know, kind of built it, uh, you know, Miraman Mike. I've searched for years for five chipple cards just to see a, a, a possible glimpse of Jason Carmen be a clue how they were laid out on a sheet. And I've never, ever once seen a grossly miscut 35 chipple card that gives a, a clue into what's next door. Um, so yep. still no idea yep. even how a sheet is laid out. So. Yeah. Uh, and again, we shall see. We'll get it, again. We'll we'll throw it out to our audience. If you have a thirty-five chickle uncut sheet, you're holding on to it. Contact us. We know <laughs> Joe is interested. If, and and if, uh, there have been you know the the different signatures on the back of the chickles because uh, there's you know you know uh, two two or three very I, I forget three I think Doug Spanning like 10 years ago, did a Gridiron Great article on the variations of the signatures on the back. 
Yep. Um, so there's definitely sure. you know multiple print runs of it. Uh, but if you uh, if you search your collection and you see miscut chickles, I'd, I'd love uh, I'd love an email. If, and as the captain said, if you know the roundabout uh, you know whereabouts of uh, uncut sheet, I I'd definitely like to hear from you. But definitely one of the you know top football sets, uh, the first you know mainstream professional football sets. You know, uh, with a nod to the Mayo and the the Pottsville Maroons, you know, postcard set that we all know about. It's classic vintage set, and again, be be aware if if you're if you're not knowledgeable of the set, study it because there was a reprint set of the Chickles out there, and unless you know what color backs you're looking at, uh, you could be buying a reprint card. Uh, which may be advertised as being a real 35 trickle, and it's not, because the reprint set that came out, and I want to say it was probably in the 80s or early 90s, I'm not sure, uh, had a different color backing uh, yeah. than the regular 35 trickles. So be, be, be aware of that at the same time. All right, our guest is here, and we got a lot to go over tonight. And I'm going to introduce them now, and we'll get started with our regular segment of our show. Our special guest tonight has been a collector of cards and memorabilia since his mom bought him his first pack of Topps baseball cards back in 1977. His career took him through a few different industries until he started a small advertising agency in 2004. He began working with several different companies in the hobby, including grading companies and auction houses, in 2012, he sold his advertising agency and started Love of the Game Auctions, which he has been running ever since. Love of the Game Auctions have prided themselves on being a trustworthy, high-quality boutique catalog auction, an alternative to the large catalog auctions, focusing on historically important sports cards and memorabilia. His auction house has been a longtime advertiser and supporter of Gridiron Greats magazine, and I'd like to welcome to our show this evening... Mr. Al Christopoli. Al, welcome to the show. So great to talk to you guys. Al Fox, good to have you on the show. How you been? Good. Thanks for coming on, Al. Very good. I appreciate it. Everybody staying healthy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you you had a a business meeting yesterday and uh, were tied up, and uh, you're able to make it today. I I, I appreciate it, and our audience appreciates it, too. And I want to lead off by asking you, why did you decide to start Love of the Game Auctions? So, um, interesting. You know, I I own this advertising agency, and I I was – I became very disillusioned with the advertising industry. It's almost like I woke up one morning and I realized that everything I was doing was disposable, right? So, you know, I was designing websites that were obsolete after three years, and I was designing, you know, advertisements and direct mail campaigns that you throw in the garbage and forget about. And, And it just seemed to me that... You know, I could be doing something more meaningful with my career. And meanwhile, I, here I was participating in this great hobby where there's such rich history and, and there's, you know, connecting people to their their memories and to nostalgia and to the history of the country and the history of the sports that we love. It just seemed to be, 
you know, just so much more meaningful. And, and so I literally just one day did it without a net. I, I sold my, my shares of the, of the ad agency and started Love of the Game, and here I am. And I, yeah, I couldn't be happier. I love that. That's great. Deep in the net will appear. Uh, I love that. Good for you, Al. Yeah. Thanks. I, I remember when you did that. I was uh, privileged enough to have some consignments in your first auction. You as were. As you, were a, you were a huge early supporter, and, and that was, you know, that first auction was, you know, was really make or break. And, and you know, I was fortunate enough to have some uh, some excellent friends that, uh, that were willing to... Uh, you know, to consign to a person who had zero bidders. I, you know, I'll yeah. never forget those people who, who were, you know, such or such great supporters early on. Yeah, Jason Cassidy. I think you've mentioned him a few times. Sure. Him, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jason. Uh, I, Jason I was a Nash- huge help. Yeah. Hmm? I saw you at the National, uh, sat at your table for quite a bit. I always appreciate the nice oasis of uh, being able to, you know, crash at your booth. Um, I know you have an auction coming up that's getting ready to pop. Uh, tell us about a couple of things in your auction, and I know our audience wants to know if you have any Steve Largent items coming up. I have none in this auction. I, they're very scarce, Steve Largent. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I have uh, – no, I've, I've – uh, you know we're we're in the process of putting the finishing touches on the on the auction and getting ready to send it to our our graphic designer uh to work her magic and and uh you know I'm really happy with this auction it's been a great year for us um but but I think what's interesting about this auction is is probably the uh, the selection of memorabilia we're we're getting back into um the collection of Ted Patterson Ted was uh uh, a broadcaster, a longtime broadcaster uh, on the baseball side for Baltimore Orioles, but he also did Navy football for 13 years. Uh, he did uh, Baltimore Colts and and uh, Ravens games, uh, and he was kind of a fixture in the Mid Atlantic there, and and accumulated a massive collection of stuff. So we've been going through uh, over the last month or so his collection of of uh, programs and scorecards, and and have found some really cool early football programs and and uh, uh, things like that, which I'm really excited about. And then we also have a nice collection of uh, of football sets coming up that we started with our last auction uh from a collector up in vermont uh all original owner stuff yeah it's it's pretty cool it's been uh, if you if you paid attention to our last auction we had a a nice namath rookie in seven uh that came out of his collection it was was all uh original owner stuff and essentially what he did was he he would uh he would work on the set uh, by pulling the cards out of the packs the year they were issued, and then when this when the cards were no longer available, he would move on to the next sport. He never went back and and uh, tried wow. to upgrade or never never filled in any of the holes. He would just move on to the next sport, and he continued to do that even in the 90s when he got tired of opening the packs. He would just go out and buy the boxes. So we've got hundreds of unopened uh, boxes wow. from the 90s and the early 2000s. Yeah, it's a pretty cool collection. It's a lot of fun. So unopened as well, or unopened as well, or just yeah, the unopened, the unopened, uh, they're all uh, wax and foil boxes, mostly again, mostly '90s and and 2000s, and the the consigner, yeah, I know, he's he's been um, 
he was pretty good with his consignment, though, of of weeding out, you know, what we like to call the junk wax, which is a lot of times the fun stuff to open. But but uh, you know, he he really we really just took kind of the good stuff. So so uh, you know, there's a nice assortment of that stuff coming. But but again, you know, a lot of complete sets. Uh, and near sets from the 60s and 70s as well, which is uh, which is fun. incredible. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. It's probably oh, our probably oh. our best football assortment that we've ever had. The last two auctions. Now, I'll, Love I'll here trip, uh, a quick question. Um, I am very very um, taken back by your online catalog, which is just an incredible design where you can actually turn the pages of what it amounts to being the real catalog if you have the printed catalog in front of you. Can you can sure. you give us a little background on that? I love that. Yeah. Even sure. the little it, click noise. Even the little click we, noise it makes when you click on yeah. the page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little page to turning noise. You know, we're we're uh we understand that there are people you, you'll never be able to replace the printed catalog for some people uh, and and you know once we started doing it I realized that uh, uh, from a design standpoint there are certain things that I can do with a printed catalog that I can't do with just that online scrolling grid that we all have like for example it's it's very difficult to convey convey size Right, you can't really convey the same. Everything's the same size. So, so in a printed catalog, I can make things bigger. I can emphasize things that are more important by adding words, you know, adding a description, making it larger, and and that sort of thing. So there there are some advantages to the printed catalog, but there are also a lot of people who don't want a printed catalog. They do everything online. So I so I wanted to come up with a way that we could translate that that sort of tactile feel of flipping through a book and stopping in your tracks when there's something big and beautiful on a page, but to do it electronically. So, so you know, the, the format that we're using gives you the ability to do it on your desktop, but I think more importantly, it also gives you the ability to do things on your phone and on your tablet. Uh, so you can page through the catalog on your phone, and then you can even do things like, uh, you know, make notes. And, uh, you know, the other thing that we do sometimes is in the online catalog, we can incorporate video into that. So, mm-hmm. so you know, where wow. I have this, yeah, where I have the space to do it, um, you know, like, for example, we sold the, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, I think it was the Alan Amici jersey that we did this with, where we sold uh, an Alan Amici jersey from the 50s or 60s. Um, that uh, you know, we wanted we wanted some some video of the highlights from the championship game where he scored the touchdown, you know, the greatest game ever played, and and I think mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. that jersey where wow. we just embedded the video right. right onto that page of the catalog. So you're flipping through like it's a catalog, but then all of a sudden, you know, there's a little button and you click the button and you can watch the video, and and uh, you know, we find that that's a nice way to supplement on some on important items. Yeah, yeah, it's, you do, it's you do such you, a good job. Your online catalog, yeah, the online catalog is just superb. I mean, it's just it's so interesting to to, to have the actual feel of the catalog. And we always, friend and I've always yeah. said, we we really would like to go that go to that route with Gridiron Greats with the magazine. But at the same yeah. time, we have a lot of like, and I know you and I talked about this at a dinner several years ago at one of the nationals, where we said 
you still have the older collector who lives for the the printed catalog, the printed magazine, the printed word type of thing. And yes. you still got to print for them. You still got to provide them with that. But at the same time, what you know, the design of your catalog is just just amazes me every time I you know I I, 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 I really appreciate that, Bob. That's I mean that's super nice, and and we spend a lot of time on it, and we're always thinking of ways that we can increase. I mean, if we're going to print the book, right? I would like to create a piece of material that that you don't throw in the garbage. And, and yeah, so, right, right. you know, we're always looking at more ways that we can make that catalog more like a magazine and a, and a reference mm-hmm. material that you, that you want to keep. And I think in the coming years, you'll see us do more and more of that, especially as we, uh, as we start to get more interesting collections, that we, you know, where we're selling a, a, a full collection that has kind of more of a thematic uh, sort of approach to it, and, uh, as opposed to just a, you know, right. a listing of stuff like a lot of catalogs are. So, so, you know, the quality of the material also uh, is what is what allows us to do that. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and again, just, your, your, design, your, your, your design background just, you know, it really, you know, you just, it's so obvious, you know, in your catalogs and stuff like that. Just your writing style, your intros, it, it, yeah, it really shines. <laughs> It's, I appreciate it. It's funny because I, I I am also the kind of person that if it wasn't for the fact, you, you know, you have to sort of bundle in a deadline because I would just yeah. continue to enhance it and refine it and refine it and refine it and never actually have the auction. So, <laughs> so, so it's nice to have, you know, a date that it's got to be done by so that, you know, and, and I'm never yeah. happy, yeah. When, you know, I'm never happy with the catalog. So, so it's, uh, you know, I have like degrees of... Oh, I'm okay with it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Al, you, you have a, a very interesting way of collecting your consignments from uh, different collectors and collections, and I know you travel extensively around the country for items for the auction. Uh, how did you come up with this idea, and can you share with our audience any uh, stories about some of the road trips you had to pick up uh, inventory for the auctions? Well, the the, uh, it's, the the way I came up with it was the, probably the worst possible way of coming up with it in that I'm absolutely terrified to fly. And, and and so you know that made it really easy for me to not fly and and so uh what happened was uh some friends years ago some 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 of the folks that uh uh that helped us with consignments in our very first auction. I'm talking about Adam Warshaw, Anthony Nax, and Jason Miller. Uh, they're out in nice. Southern California, and they put together uh, a little community show that they wanted to do, like a you know a little card sh- card and memorabilia yep. show yep. in Culver City, California. And and I wanted to be able to support them the way they supported me. Uh, so I bought a table at their show, and it just got in the car. And, and drove to California, and I figured, well, if I'm if I'm going to drive all the way out there, I should make some people aware of the fact that I'm coming, and and you know see if I can't pick up some consignments while you know while I'm going. And it wound up being so it, it paid off. It was great, and so I I've done it again and again, and so I I generally hit each of the four corners of the country during the year. COVID has thrown a uh, a real monkey wrench into that. I haven't been on the road in two years, but uh, but I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting back out there, starting to plan out a, a Florida trip 
uh, for January, and then I'll, I'll be hitting the Pacific Northwest and the Southwest uh, in 2022 for sure. Nice. Well, I think, yeah, I, I dig that. I really like that because I've had you in my kitchen having a cup of coffee, you know, consigning stuff to you. So sure. I got to say, when somebody's coming to your house, when you don't have to ship it, when you don't have to package it, it just it makes it so much easier to go like, you know what, yeah, the, you know, you know, this is something I've always wanted to consign. I'm just too lazy to pack it. You know? For sure, that's a. I mean, that's a big thing, and and you know. But from my standpoint, there there's something. About, I mean, you know, the hobby is about stuff, but really, the longer you collect, the more you realize that it's really about people, and and yeah. you know, the, the the human element of this. After a while, you've known people, you've known collectors for 15, 20 years, and, and yeah. you know, I don't want them to just mail me stuff. I want to go shake their hand, and, and uh, you know, a lot of times, these are people I know, their families, and, and uh, you know, totally. we've been friends for a long time, we've had dinner together, we've, you know, we've had beers at the bar, we've, we've uh, had, you know, we've shared experiences, and, and uh, I like for it to be, you know, as personal as it can be, because it's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's the whole, that's what this is all about. And, and so, you know, and that's what the hobby means to so many of us. So, you know, I want to always keep that, you know. And, and it's great because you can, you know, I, I try and mix in, you know, I, I sort of meander. I don't, I don't usually cannonball across the country to get to a place. I'll, I'll you know, <laughs> sort of slowly, you know, mosey across the country. And if, so if I see something cool, I will stop. And, and uh, you know, th- this lends itself to some great experiences that a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to have. Uh, and some weird ones. Yeah. I, you know, I, I got stuck in a blizzard in the Rocky Mountains one time. I had to sleep in a, uh, in a rest stop and eat, you know, Swedish fish for breakfast and lunch. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, had my, I had my truck charged by a bison in, in uh, Yellowstone Park once, which was a little weird and, and scary. Um, you know, but there, there's, uh, you know, I always get to come home with a story. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I love following your, I forget which trip it was, but we went through Moab. And, if, you know, just, you know, your description of it, I'm like, all right, we got to go to Moab one of these days. So, oh, um, it's my favorite place yeah. in the world, you know, and I, I never would have <laughs> seen it if, uh, if, if I hadn't done one of these trips and never would have even heard of it. You know, now now yeah. I try and go there, you know, once a year and, and uh, you know, wow. ride. You know, I, I actually throw my uh, my bicycle uh, on the back of the, uh, of the truck when I have my own truck so that I can do, you know, there, there, there's a lot of cycling in Moab, but I'll, I'll also, you know, just there's a road that goes right along the Colorado River that, that you can just go out, you know, 20, 25 miles and just do a really nice, you know, beautiful bike ride. The scenery is fantastic, and it's just so peaceful. And and you know, to do that right in the middle of work, what a lucky guy am I, you know, that I can, yeah. I can just do that. So, good point. Well, let's uh, let's change gears here and talk about that a, a, a recent blight on the hobby. Well, maybe not so recent. Uh, PWCC and uh, sure. you know Brent Hudgens. I mean, recently banned from eBay. FBI investigating them, you know, kind of full court press at the national. Now, I've known you a long time. I've consigned things with you. I know you take a lot of pride in being transparent, honest. You're you're you're, you're one of those auction houses, you know, that's just everybody knows they're getting a fair shake. 
uh, I, I know it's tough, you know, for stuff, you know, quote unquote stuff to, to, to trump integrity like that in some places. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, talk about that in the hobby and how 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 hard that is. I, you know, it's it's frustrating. It's not it's not. Uh, it's not that it's hard. I mean, it's easy to do the right thing. It's it's easy to run a, a business where you you just run it the right way, and and that was part of, you know, when we when I started the company, you know, that was part of the the deal that I sort of made with myself is that you know I want this to be uh, up and up. I want to do everything the right way, and and I'm not interested in, uh, you know, cutting corners or uh, you know just for lack of a better term, wearing the black hat. I want to wear the white hat, and, and if that means that I have to, uh, you know, take a little bit of a hit financially, that's okay because I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror in the morning. It's easy. It's easy to do that. It's, you know, what's what's tough and frustrating is is watching collectors continue to go back to that well and bid with uh, with companies that are are less than ethical and and you know it's like uh, you know that's the frustrating part of it because you would think you know you would think and again I'm not naming I'm not naming names but you know we we've heard a lot of the names and and you know it's it's frustrating to see collectors just continue to go back even though they know uh, you yeah. know what's going on yeah. just because there's, just because the stuff is there because the stuff wouldn't be there if the bidders weren't there you know <laughs> you know and there are there are plenty of people in the hobby who are doing things the right way there are plenty of you know this is uh, you know my company's not the only uh, ethical auction house there you know, we could sit here and, and rattle them off you know companies like REA are are as as solid as they get. And and uh, you know there are there are plenty more like that. So uh, you know it, yeah. it's uh, uh, so it's it, it's frustrating, but it's 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 certainly not the kind of thing that's going to make me stop uh, doing business. There's plenty. There's yeah. you know, we're doing fine, and and uh, you know what we can offer is a is a is an alternative where where you know the auction house is not complicit in some. Uh, you know, shady dealings. You know, there are none happening and, here. And it's a it's a chicken and egg thing. I've always wondered why the hell people continue to consign to yeah. nefarious auction houses. I mean, and the only answer I can have is because they get better prices because they you know they shill bid because you know et cetera. And that's the tough part. They I think that's why a lot of these they, these investigations sell. take. They take so long to 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 progress because there's that, you know, we all have sort of this weird relationship with the hobby where we are all buyers and sellers kind of at the same time, right? And so, you know, you're a collector, but then you get some dupes or you finish a project and you want to sell it off to fund a different project or you get bored with something and so, you, you know, you sell it. So... Once you sell it, you want to sell it for the highest price that you can, and so it's very tempting uh, you know, to to look at every possible resource and and say, you know, where where can I, you know, where can I move this piece of my collection or whatever, and and you know, there's, I mean, we know the names, and there's a laundry list of them out there, and you, yeah. you know, you consign to every one of them. So, do you want to consign to the one that uh, you know consistently posts? 
you know, high prices, even though there's questions about whether the prices are actually real? Or, you know, do you want to maybe, I don't know, it's, it's, it, yeah. I, I mean, the decision is an easy one for me, but I can understand why it's not an easy one for everyone. Um, you know, this is, you know, especially now in this crazy climate, this is real money. Yeah. So. Yeah. And the risk of, uh, I mean, anybody who has something consigned with PWCC right now is taking their, their, their collection into their, you know, into the wrong hands. It's just, it's a risk because, you know, if, if PWCC gets raided, you know, while their consignments are sitting there, good luck getting those back. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a big problem for the hobby. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this numerous times. I've written about it numerous times. And, and you know, it's just, well, whatever end, I got it seriously. But, you know, collectors, yeah, again, like you say, Al, and it's a good point. They want the highest amount of money they possibly can get. And, you know, they want to close their eyes to a lot of this stuff. And it's, it's just not healthy for the hobby. I, don't care I think if you have if, if you have any appreciation for the history of a hobby itself, right, and not just not mm-hmm. just the stuff, not just the uh, the material that we collect, but the history of the actual hobby, then you understand that we're sort of stewards of the hobby, all of us, as we as we participate in in collecting and all of this. Eventually, you know, our material is going to pass through our hands, and and the health of the hobby is also going to move on to another generation of people. It's very disconcerting to people who are starting in the hobby, uh, you know, to hear about the kind of things that, that are, you know, that, that cause real trust issues and issues about, you know, the authenticity of the pieces and, and whether the pieces have Good been, point. you know, altered. And so, I, you know, I kind of look at this and feel like it's, it's a, a privilege to be able to be a part of this uh, and, and, you know, be a part of this thing that's been here for so long and actually make money at it. I, you know, I want to leave it better than it was when I got it. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I just wish everyone else in the hobby felt that same way. Such a great I, I way to put it. That. I agree with that. Al, uh, do, do you have a, a consignment that above all other consignments you would like to pick up besides my collection when I, when I get rid of it? <laughs> what is your white whale consignment? What I, you know, it's it's I interesting because I I was uh, I was sitting here and I was listening to you guys talk about uh, the National Chickle set, and it's it's a fascinating set to me uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, primarily because it it you know the cards are beautiful and the artwork is so similar to the Diamond Stars and the Skybirds cards that that it's almost like you can pass these you know, this entire design through an entire year of, of, uh, of trading cards, right? But the, mm-hmm. the Nagurski was the, was the first high-end card that I sold. In my very first auction, uh, we had a PSA mm-hmm. 7 Nagurski. And I feel like I want to sell an 8. And that, like, that's sort of, you know, there's an 8, there, you know, there's a, however many 8s, there's an 8.5 and, and a 9. And I would love to sell one of those because I, I really want to know what is that card worth in a in a trustworthy public auction, you know, not in a private transaction. Not, you know, yeah. what would it be? What would it be worth to just put that card out there 
and sell it to the highest bidder, what would that high bid be? Just, I'm curious, and I'm dying to know, and I would love to be the auction house to, to the next auction house to sell that a card of that caliber. I like it. That'd you know, be cool. They, they say that'd in that'd sales, you know, they say in sales, tell everybody what you're after specifically. You know, not like, yeah. hey, we'd love, we'd love your business. It's like I'm looking for a. You know, PSA, you know, 1935 Pickle Nagurski. I like That's it. what I'm looking for. I'm looking for eight, eight or better, and, and uh, yeah. you know, we'll put it right up in the front of the catalog and give it some great attention, and, and let's see. Let's roll the dice and see what the hobby thinks that card is worth. I'm, I am yeah. maddening, maddeningly curious. Yeah, the, uh, the 8.5 sold a couple years ago. I want to say it went for like 160 Something like that. Yeah. Plus, one you know, step, plus 174 15. in in heritage in mm, 2019. And and we we've, yeah. we've had a massive explosion in the hobby as we all know. And and uh you know, prices you know, as we're assembling we're assembling the auction, the next auction and you know, I try and do estimates to try and just to get a feel for what kind of auction this next auction is going to be. And for the last three auctions, it's impossible to estimate because the, you know, the prices have gone yeah. through the roof so crazily that that you know I'm looking at at uh, you know different cards that sold the last time they sold they sold for you know fifteen hundred dollars and the next time they sell they're going to sell for twenty thousand. So. You know, 174k for a PSA eight and a half Nagurski in August of 19, and and you know, what's it worth now? Is it worth five times that? Is it worth ten times? I don't know. It's <laughs> that's that's my holy grail card. Yep. You know, yep. that was that 8.5 was so good looking. It was it was yeah. nicer than the nine in my opinion. It was such a nice looking card. I had a couple of feeler bids on it. I, you know, had to go to Stacy and ask. If, you know, yeah, yeah. It wasn't in the wasn't in the cards for me to, to get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to ask forgiveness than permission, Joe. Says <laughs> ah, the guy who owns an auction house. <laughs> I like that. You know, I might I might I might have to sleep on your couch if I would have done that. Uh, I, I I know you've mentioned a few times like nationals, like you know when they hold the national in one place over and over again, you, you kind of you've kind of gotten the consignments you can from uh you know from a certain area um yeah you know what, what are your what are your thoughts on the you know, activity of the last you know chicago national and then uh, next year's ac you know atlantic city national so i i think it's uh you know there's a couple of layers to that question because i do agree and and i talk about it all the time that i think you know i would like to see the national travel more for a couple of reasons for you know from my standpoint i i all i do at shows is get consignments and show what's in my next auction and so when you keep going back to that same well it's the same people every other year it's hard to to bring yeah. in new consignments with the best the best show we ever had the best national we ever had was Atlantic City and I don't think it's because it was in Atlantic City I think it's because it was the first time it was in Atlantic City or in New Jersey mm-hmm. in years you know and so I would love to see other cities in the Midwest places like St. Louis and Kansas City where the you know there's the Negro Leagues baseball museum in Kansas City there it would be a fantastic place for the show but that being said this last national in Chicago, I think between the the incredible explosion in the hobby 
and the fact that we were all locked in our house for a year, the attendance was unbelievable. It was, a, it was like nothing yeah. I'd ever seen. And I think the best, you know, the best part about it to me was the amount of kids. There were so many kids. And, and it was just, you know, that was really refreshing to see. So That's cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Now, what, when's the next auction and when are consignments due for it? So the next auction closes on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and consignment deadline is okay. already passed for that one. So we, we would already be looking okay. for um, consignments for our spring auction, which, which would be in a March-April time frame. And we've got some time on consignments. We generally close that one up in around February. So, uh, But the, the, the next auction, the one to look for, is the one that closes the Saturday after Thanksgiving. It should open somewhere around the 10th. Of, uh, of November. So if any of the listeners are not currently registered, you just go to loveofthegameauctions.com and, uh, and you can register there and we'll get you set up so that you get all of our emails and all of that so you know when the auction goes live. Nice. And I've got a couple consignments in there, so I, I wish you well. Um, Me too. <laughs> you mentioned you hired a... Oh, sorry. Yeah. You mentioned you, you in our emails back and forth, you hired a new inventory manager. Uh, and I know that, you know, that's that, you know that's a that's a big step up for you. Tell us yeah. about his role and does the guy ever make fun of your mullet? My mullet is is uh, beyond. Uh, it's it's not it's you're not allowed to make fun of my mullet and and uh, so uh, I am I am trying to surpass you and uh, Levi Bleem of Seven O Seven Sports Cards for the best mullet in the hobby and uh and so you know i'm I'm working on that uh, i'm not there yet but i'm working on it in terms of our inventory manager his name is uh andrew Aronstein. he's got a, a long history in the hobby uh long-time collectors remember the uh the name tcma uh which was a, a company that made uh, baseball cards in 70s and 80s and, and actually is still active uh in the hobby and and uh andrew's father is is one of the founders of TCMA. So Andrew's got a long, long background in the hobby. And uh, what he's going to be doing uh, with us is interfacing directly with consigners, making sure that the uh, the consignments that come in, make, making sure we do a better job of communicating when, when we receive the consignments, uh, when the stuff is going out for grading, when it comes back, how did it grade, you know, were there any issues, that sort of thing. And then sort of shepherding those consignments through the process so that uh, everything gets smoothly entered into the system and, and photographed and scanned and everything, just to sort of streamline that process. We're pretty yeah. good at it. Uh, but but yeah. I feel like you know when it comes to organization and communication, there's there's really not you can't really ever do too well at that. You you know you should always improve. And so uh, we're really looking for Andrew's been with us for about three weeks now, and and I'm already seeing a a, a big uh, improvement. Well, congrats. Plus, I don't no, have I've to do that. You did an amazing job. Yeah, yeah, you've always done an amazing job tracking, shipping, you know, packaging. So yeah, this is uh, you know it's uh, that's exciting to see just a, a step up in that. Congratulations! I mean, yeah, thank you. consignments yeah. are coming and auctions are rolling. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's like a, it. been a lot of fun. I, you know, I want to do this forever. This is I'm having way too much fun to ever do anything else. A pop quiz for right. both of you: What were the two years TCMA printed a football card set? So. Oh my. God, that is a heck of a question. Was it Tell me what 81? they are. Was was it nineteen eighty one? One of them, Bob. Yep. 
1981. Was it a team set or was it a? Uh... No, it was, a, it was a. It was like a great set, uh, football okay. greats. But they had they had a second set which was much more rare. It was an update set. <clears throat> what year was that from? And if you don't have the answer, we'll come back next show and find out. I I, sh- I should have the Joe answer. actually. At Joe, my fingertips, Joe, except he's in the other room taking pictures. <laughs> yeah. Well, was Joe, that Bob? The next, uh, the next show, you're going to uh, fill us in on that update. So that's going to be your assignment. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will get the answer to that question. <laughs> and uh, Al, when I saw when I saw his name, when I saw his name, and I didn't read his bio, I didn't. I didn't. I, I just read what, what the emails were saying, and I sure. thought to myself, I wonder if that if if he was related to to the uh, the family with TCMA, and and he was. Yep. So that's, oh, that's, that's cool. Yep. Good family. Good yeah. family. That's yeah, it's it's great, great history. I mean, you go, you know, going back to like the very first national, you know, the things that we that that we do in the hobby. Right. That, yeah. you know, his father's a pioneer. You know, so it's it's a pleasure yeah. to have that kind of uh, uh, passion and lineage that's that's part of love of the game now, and and uh, yeah. you know that's just an honor. Al, now, I, I love the final. the pro, prologues. You, oh, sorry, I, I love the prologues no, you do for each auction. Uh, you know the you know just they're always so personal. The from the heart. It's uh, I mean I I don't want to say they remind me of Joey O's you know SMR thing, but you know, they're in that spirit. They're, they're much better. Um, excuse me, not Turner's now. Uh, they they're, 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 yeah, sorry, I shouldn't have. I, I was, I'm leading hey, up to something fun. I shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, you're setting uh, the bar. You know, they're better than, Joe, better than Joe's. <laughs> you know, I don't know that that's a high b- <laughs> <laughs> Never get cheated out. Never get cheated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, you need a tagline is what you need, brother. Um but we were talking about stuff earlier, and somehow stuff trumps. And one of my, the, one of the things that to me cemented you in the hobby. I mean, obviously, love you, always have. But the, we we have a mutual dear friend, Jim Blumenthal, who passed away. And the prologue in in the auction you had next that just started off with stuff. You know, sometimes you know we get bogged down in stuff, and it's actually the friends that you acquire in the hobby. Uh, yeah, and uh, I yeah. saved that that catalog. That 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 st- that one still, you know, kind of kind of hits me. It was just yeah. it was such it was so from the heart. It made me just realize that it's it's so much more to that, you know, to to you know to the hobby than stuff for you. And it, it reminds it, it, me of just what you were saying. It's like a lot of these guys are friends. It is. These the, these are these are human beings. Jim's lost was 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 a crushing loss for me he was he was uh just a great man and and uh you know his smiling face i mean I, I can't say enough about how much i love that guy and there's so many other guys in the hobby uh that are that are like that you know and and uh-huh. when i when i sit back and i start to think about uh you know people who are my oldest and dearest friends uh, you know, I'm I'm in my early 50s. I, I've some of these guys are people that I've known for decades now, and and so it's really not. I mean, the, the high, of course I love the material. You know, I love the material in my own collection. It's a 
privilege to be able to handle the kind of quality that comes through here, but you know, there's nothing that's ever going to take the place of those, you know, long nights at the bar at the National just laughing, right? For days yeah. just laughing and and goofing around and having fun the one or two times a year that we all get to be together and and see each other. that's what the hobby is it's it's you know when when i was a kid it was a solitary thing or a thing that you did with the kids in your neighborhood or whatever but now these are lifelong friendships right so so what could you know i don't want to write in the catalog about you know oh this is a great thing that's for sale that you know that's you know i i feel like what's you know what's coming from me needs to transcend all that stuff a little bit because it's it, you know I, I want to convey what this hobby is to me personally in that in that uh, segment of the book. Now we're yeah. running out of time. Quickly, any suggestions for a beginning collector in in our hobby? Yes, uh, collect what you like, and and uh, don't worry about what it's worth. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's really important, um, to, to try and focus on the thing that you like and become an authority on that thing. Uh, you know, you know, learn everything there is to learn about it, to turn it inside out, uh, learn all of the different nuances and, and, uh, what makes that thing that you like important and become a specialist in it and then meet other collectors. Uh, those, that, that's the best part of the hobby. That's great advice. Al, I really Thanks. thank you for the support support you've given Gridiron Greats Magazine over the years. I, I, as our regular readers and listeners know, you're an advertiser. That inside front cover is yours. Uh, people look forward to your auctions coming up. And, uh, again, I thank you for being on our show this evening. I thank I, you for the support of the magazine over the years. It's, it is appreciated. And, and it's interesting to talk about being a, a boutique auction house. We were called, Gridiron Greats Magazine was called several times a boutique publication for football memorabilia because it is so specialized. Sure. And, and it is, it is uh, you know, not, not something you're going to see uh, at Barnes & Noble type of thing. So, um, no. It, it's, 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 it's Go on. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's a no, vital It's to be boutique. Yeah, it's a gridiron greats is a vital resource. There's there are things you know I consult my, you know I have a run of gridiron greats and I consult them constantly. Uh, you know there's nothing else out there. The, you know there are very few hobby publications, and so what you're doing and the fact that you're just a guy who's doing it out of the passion and the love for the hobby, you know it's it's really important. It's a pleasure to to support that. I right, thank you for it. thank you for your support and thank you for being on tonight. We're almost out of time, Joe. Uh, Al, thank you for being on, and uh, we're in our two-minute warning and wrap-up with thirty seconds to go. Joe, quick, hand it off to you. Al, thank you. Show. I just wanted to say thanks again, Al, for being on. We've been trying to get you on the show for a while just to talk about love of the games, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, one of my favorite auction houses. I love consigning with you. So classy guy. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. And again, if you're not a, uh, if if you haven't signed up for Love of the Game auctions for their next auction to bid, please do so. And if you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats Magazine, what are you waiting for? Check out our website, GridironGreatsMagazine.com. All right, we're out of time, and uh, thanks for listening. 
and hopefully we'll be back next week with another episode. Take care.